Yeah, as I said at the, uh, the start of the service, it's been a crazy couple of weeks, hasn't it? And, um, and, and something which none of us have, have experienced, none of us have lived through, none of us have had to, had to face uh, before. You know, both with the, the spread of the coronavirus and all that is going on within our nation, but, you know, also kind of alongside that, because of that linked in with that, just the, the, the sheer global scale of every sphere of life being impacted. That it's not just an illness, but every sphere of life is impacted. You know, we, we look at it and, and businesses and travel and sporting events. You know, those of us who are football fans are grieving right now. It's, um, it's, it's a terrible time. You know, you, you look at, um, I've got friends who, who, who this weekend are up in Torquay in a brass band contest. And, you know, it's, it impacts every sphere of life. It's part of every conversation. There's no way that you can get away from it. And when something like this surrounds us on every side. When wherever we look, this is what we kind of see and is, is, is kind of what we are confronted with. In the natural, humanly, I think we all tend to be pulled towards one of two responses. To become filled with, with fear and anxiety that then begins to control the way that we think and, and the decisions that we make and causes us to try and take control of the situation for ourselves and to put things around ourselves and protect ourselves. Or because it's something out of our control and because of maybe something of our Britishness, that whole kind of keep calm and carry on attitude, we're, we're, we're kind of pulled towards being a bit dismissive. And uh, we, we even maybe start to lose patience with it. And um seems to be everywhere that we look and we just kind of get a little bit kind of cross and dismissive and think, you silly people. You know, each of us in our personalities, I think we're pulled in one of those two ways to some extent. And you've probably had conversations with people over this week and in those conversations you could put those people in one of those two boxes. You know, by what they've posted on social media. And yet, as followers of Jesus, I believe that God calls us to a different way. Where we're neither people of fear nor dismissive. I believe that he calls us to be people of faith. People who see the seriousness and see the dangers of the situation. We don't try and, and kind of belittle it or dismiss it. But in the midst of it, even in the midst of our fear... We have hope and confidence in him. We know that he is with us. We know that he is for us. We know that he is on the throne. We know that he is greater and bigger than this virus. And so the fear that we face and that we're aware of is not what controls us because it is overcome by the hope and the confidence that we have in him. And I don't know how you're feeling or where you're at with all of this. I don't know if you're in a place where you feel like you're battling fear. And that that's the, the direction that you're pulled in. I don't know if you're in, pulled in the other direction towards being kind of more dismissive. But what I do know is that in this season, God is calling us up to grow as people of faith. Do you know... When it comes to following Jesus, faith is one of the most important things. You know, as we, we read through the Bible, we, we discover that we are first saved by faith. That we, um, we do works in faith. That without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
And as we've been taking time to think about prayer, to come to Jesus and say, teach us to pray, this is what Jesus says in Matthew 9, verse 29. He says, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And so we know faith is important. It's a big deal. But it can also be hard. You know, there are things that we think that we know about the way that God works, and so we have great confidence and belief, and so we think that we're standing in faith. And those beliefs, those things that we think about the way that God works, are then challenged by something that we live through and we go through. And what we think that we believed can be challenged by the big stuff going on on a global scale right now, or it can be challenged by the things that we go through personally at different times. And sometimes I think we end up with this idea that, that growing in our relationship with, with God is about becoming more and more certain about what we know. That growing in faith is about becoming more and more confident in what it is that you believe. But that can be hard when we face situations that force us to ask big questions. And so as we look to be people of faith in this season, in the midst of everything that is going on, what does it mean and what does that look like? And when we think about God's call on us as a church, you know, he called on us as a church in this year to grow in prayer. And God knows what he's doing. Nothing that is happening now is a surprise to him. You know, the coronavirus isn't a surprise to him. And so if he lined things up, he knew what he was doing. He knew what we'd be facing right now. And so in this time when he's saying that that we need to grow as people of faith, he's putting alongside that you need to grow as people in prayer. And so he's saying, come to me and say, teach us to pray. And what does it then look like for us to pray in faith? And Jesus talks about faith a lot. In fact, I think he's probably the person in the Bible who talks about faith more than anybody else. And on three different occasions, and you know something significant and important when Jesus repeats himself, on three different occasions, he uses the same illustration when it comes to to trying to help us to understand the kind of faith that we're to have in prayer. In Mark 11, we get this crazy story. And I, I, I don't know about you, but I find it hard to make sense of. We get this crazy story where they come along a fig tree, and Jesus is hungry. Um, and the fig tree um, doesn't, we'll come there in a second, but the fig tree doesn't have anything on it. And, and so, so Jesus gets, he's kind of upset, he's hungry, there's no food, and so he curses the fig tree. And then they go off into Jerusalem, and they kind of go about their business, and gets to the end of the day, and they're coming out of Jerusalem, and they come back to the fig tree, and Peter's like, what on earth? What has happened? The fig tree that you curse, it's withered and it's dead and he can't get over it. It kind of blows his mind. And, and, and Jesus kind of looks at him and says, Peter, Peter, this isn't a big deal. This isn't a big deal. Come on, have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And then on another occasion in in Luke 17, we read about the disciples and they come to Jesus. And it it only happens a couple of times when the the disciples particularly ask Jesus to teach them or to help them with something. And this time they come to Jesus, they, they say, increase our faith. 
And what you would expect, what in the way that we kind of think about faith so often, is what you might expect is that Jesus would turn around and say, okay, these are the ten steps you need to take. These are the things that you need to do. This is the kind of belief that you need to have. And if you follow through on those things, then you'll have that right level of faith. But he doesn't. Instead, we, Jesus, we read that Jesus replied, they said, if you have faith, as small as a mustard seed, the tiniest seed that they knew about, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. And then on yet another occasion, and we, this is written about twice in Mark 9 and in Matthew 17, we, we read about how Jesus, he, he's been up on a mountain, he comes down from the, the mountain to find that a crowd has gathered um, around his disciples who were there arguing with the religious leaders. And, and he comes along and he says, what are you arguing about? And, and, and a father comes forward and, and, they, and he says, look, I, I brought my son. Uh, my son, he's, he's been um, possessed. He's, he's been filled with a demon and he's sick. And this has been going on as a result. And so I brought him here and your disciples, they weren't able to heal him or cast the demon out. And, uh, and so Jesus says, you know, he kind of has this conversation with him um, and he says, he talks with him about it and, and the father comes to the end and he says, if you, can, if you can do anything, please have mercy on me and help us. And Jesus says, if I can, everything is possible for one who believes. And I love the father's reply. He says, I do believe, I do have faith. Help me with my unbelief. And then Jesus rebukes the spirit and it leaves him and he heals the boy. And this has all happened. After this has all happened, the disciples come to Jesus and they're like, why, why, why couldn't we do it? And this is what Jesus says. He says, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And you can imagine the disciples' confusion at this point, can't you? They, they've just asked Jesus, why is it, Jesus, that we couldn't do it? And he says, because you have so little faith. So far, they're tracking with him. This kind of makes sense. Okay, so we, we need to have, have more faith. But Jesus goes on, and he doesn't say that. He says, truly, I say to you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, this tiny speck of faith, it will be done for you. Essentially, Jesus says, you couldn't do it because of your little faith. What you need is little faith. And that's confusing, isn't it? And the only conclusion that I can come to is that if the disciples couldn't do it because they had so little faith, and Jesus turns around and says, all that they really need is this tiny speck of faith, like as small as a mustard seed, then that their faith was smaller than that. So really what Jesus is saying is that they didn't have any faith. And here's what I think is important for us to, to get hold of in this. Did the disciples believe that they could cast out the demon and heal the boy? Yes. I think they did. Because they'd done the exact same thing before. Earlier on in Matthew, we read about how he sends them out in twos and they cast out demons. The demons obey them and they heal the sick and they come back rejoicing at the fact that they listen to them. And so they'd done it before. They believed they can do it again. And they put that belief into action and they try to do it and nothing happens. And I think this tells us something important. 
the disciples' belief and confidence, what they thought was faith, was not actually faith at all. The disciples thought that they had faith and were acting in faith, but then they found out through what Jesus says that the reason that nothing has happened is because they don't even have faith the size of a tiny speck of a mustard seed. And that should make us pause for a minute. What I think Jesus is saying here is not that I need more faith. Because faith the size of a tiny mustard seed, if we have that, is all we need to see God work in amazing, supernatural, powerful ways. What I think Jesus is saying is that we need a different kind of faith. Because what we often think of as faith is not actually faith at all. It's about true faith. Sometimes I think we try to boil faith down and simplify it to this confidence and this belief, this certainty that means we've got this kind of level of faith that what it is that we want to happen is going to happen. You know, I think I might have shared this story before, but back when I was 18... I used to meet up with a couple of guys called John and Tim, and we would pray together every week. Um, John and I were both students at the music college in Manchester, and, and Tim was a student at the, the dance college there. And, uh, and we'd meet up together every week, and it was during this time, really, that, that God took hold of me and made my faith come alive in him in, uh, in a much greater way. And as I was reading the Bible one time, I, I came across the story of Peter and John. And I've read it before, but this time it just hit me between the eyes in a different way. The story of Peter and John as they're walking to the temple, and they come across the lame man. Um, and he asks them for arms, and they say they don't have any. But Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. No big complicated prayer, just a statement in faith, with confidence, with belief, that he's going to get up and walk. And he does. And I was just struck by this. And then Tim turned up at our prayer time that evening, and he'd injured his ankle. And if you're a dancer, that's not a, big, not, not a good thing. And so I, I remember vividly, I said to Tim about the story that I'd just read. I said, look, we have the same authority as followers of Jesus. And so I, I put my hand on his ankle and I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, ankle be healed. And I fully believed. I was convinced there was not a scrap of doubt within me. And so I asked him, how's your ankle feel? And he said, it feels the same. And I was not to be deterred. And so I said to him, well, I believe that God has healed your ankle. So text me in the morning when it's healed. Not if, but when. And the morning came round and he hadn't messaged me and I was getting impatient. And so I sent him a message saying, how's your ankle? And he sent me a message back saying, it's just the same. And I couldn't understand it. And I was confused. Why didn't it work? I was completely convinced. I was full of what I thought was faith. I was confident. He was going to be healed. Not a scrap of doubt. The only time in my life I can say with the confidence there was not a scrap of doubt or a question within me. So if that's the case, what does it mean to be full of faith? And I think that's probably where the disciples were at at this moment. When they've just prayed for this boy for to cast out the demon and to see him healed. And they're there and they're confused. Why didn't it happen? We were confident. We believed. We, we put our belief into action. 
And Jesus says to them, nothing happened because of your little faith. Or your zero faith. Faith isn't what you think it is. You only need a tiny speck of faith like the size of a mustard seed to see God move in powerful ways. So if faith is so important for us, if we want to be people of of faith who please God, people of faith who, who see him move in powerful ways, people of faith who put him on display, during this difficult season, and if faith is something more than just confidence and belief and being convinced that something's going to happen that we ask for. What is it that it boils down to? What is it? What is true faith? And this is a huge topic. This is something we could talk about for a long, long time. But I just want to try and highlight a few things that I think are keys to understanding true faith and just starting out on this kind of pursuing of, of true faith to help us to be people who walk by faith and who pray in faith during this season. First one is this. Number one, true faith is in God. Sounds really simple, but actually I think we can get confused around this one sometimes. Now, when the disciples are amazed at the withered fig tree, Jesus' response to them in Mark 11 verse 22 is simply, have faith in God. And in Luke 17, when the disciples say to Jesus, increase our faith, he says to them, you're making this more complicated than it needs to be. You only need faith the size of a tiny little mustard seed. You see, one of the dangers that I think we have when we start talking about faith and praying in faith is that we get caught up and we make the answer simply that we need more faith. And so we make the answer of God moving dependent on the quantity of our faith. And without meaning to, what we have done in that moment is we have moved our faith from being in God and we've put faith in faith itself. We've put our confidence in ourselves having this level of belief. And Jesus says, have faith in God. It's not about having lots of faith. Faith the size of a mustard seed will do. It's about the object of your faith. What we focus on as we pray isn't our faith. What we focus on is our God. Our faith is based on who God is. And when our confidence, our faith is in God, in who he is, then even when things happen that we don't understand, even when things don't happen that we think should happen, our faith cannot be shaken. And when we try and make things complicated and put systems in place and start thinking that that if we follow X, Y, and Z, then we'll see the answer to our prayer. If we have more faith, if we pray in this particular way, with this particular formula, with these particular words, the danger is that we end up on a path where we are heading to move our focus and move our faith away from God and into faith itself or into a religious system. And sometimes this can be as simple as our faith being in the way that we've seen God move in the past. I think that was part of the problem for the disciples. Jesus had sent them out. He'd given them authority. They'd gone out and they'd seen all these things happen. And so they fully believed it would happen exactly the same way again that it did before. 
the father brings his son to them. And they think, no problem. We've got this. We've done it before. We know what to do. True faith is faith in God. And to help make sure it stays that way, to help make sure that we don't get taken off track and end up putting faith in the wrong place, God works in different ways at different times with different people. And we see this with Jesus. We see it in his own life. You know, one time he he heals someone by getting mud and rubbing it in their eyes. Another time he heals them by shoving his fingers in someone's ears. Another time he he heals them by speaking a word, even though the person's not even there, they're in another place. Another time someone's healed, he doesn't say or do anything. They just touch his clothes. You never see Jesus healed the same way. It's different every time. And God still works in different ways at different times today. And I think a big part of that is because he doesn't want us to shift our faith and shift our focus and put it in a system or a formula or in the the level of how we're feeling on that particular day. He doesn't want us to come to a place where we think we've got him all figured out and he works the way that we think he should work and he's in this nice little neat box for us. He wants to keep it so that our faith is in him. And so that we are focused on walking with him and growing in our relationship with him. So Jesus says, have faith in God. And even a tiny speck of faith in our great big God will see him move in powerful ways. Number two, true faith is from God. And this should be good news to you, because it's it's certainly good news to me. Because this means that I don't have to try and muster up and work myself up and get myself into this place where I'm all kind of G'd up and, yes, we're going to do this! Because God is the one who initiates faith. True faith is in a response within us to what God is doing by his Spirit. Romans 10 verse 17 says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. This is talking about saving faith and how as people hear the word of God, as they hear about who Jesus is and what it is that that he has, has done, that it activates faith in a person's heart to bring them to a place of salvation. And so we know that reading and hearing the word of God, making time for God to be speaking to us through his word, builds our faith. And means that we receive faith from him. In Romans 12, as Paul writes about the different gifts that God gives to each person and how every single one of us has a role to play in serving God in the body. And he says this in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And so faith has been given to us in different measures in order to enable us to fulfill the role that God has for us to serve within his body. And then in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 9, we see that faith is also listed there as one of the gifts of the Spirit. That there is a a difference between saving faith 
and putting our hope and our confidence in Jesus and the gift of faith. And that this gift of faith is put there alongside the gifts of healing and miracles. There is a supernatural gift of faith that God gives to particular people at particular times. And it's a gift that we can ask for and we can pursue just as much as any of the other gifts. But it comes from him. And as we receive this gift of of faith from God, we don't have to to try and muster up the confidence and kind kind of battle all of the doubts and say, I believe, I believe, I believe this has happened, this has happened, this has happened. We simply walk with the Spirit. So that as we go through life, when He prompts us, when He speaks to us, it stirs faith in our hearts and we respond. And so the key for us to be people of faith who pray in faith is to keep in step with the Spirit. To spend time with God in His Word, time with God in prayer, so that we learn more and more how to listen to His voice. Isn't it true that the more time that you spend with someone the more that you know what it is that they want to say before they even speak it, the more that you end up finishing one of the sentences, you, you know what each other wants and nobody even has to say a thing. And I think, you know, God is with us all of the time. But there is something significant and important and powerful about us carving out sp- specific times just to focus on him, just to spend with him, just to hear from him. To give God our full attention. And it's in those times that we learn to know his voice. And as we learn to know his voice, as he, we, he is the one who speaks to us. He's the one who initiates the faith within us. And then what we find is that true faith, number three, leads to obedient action. You see, I think we, I think we like the idea of spending time with God and learning to know his voice and that meaning that we get sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and we're we're able to give words of knowledge and know when to pray for healing for people and all of those kind of exciting things. But what Paul makes abundantly clear is that when we walk with the Spirit, that the primary way that he first wants to work in our lives is to do with our character. And what he prompts us, what he speaks to us, convicts us of the things that we shouldn't have said or that we shouldn't be watching or we convicts us and prompts us that we really need to forgive that person who's hurt us. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to us in those kind of ways, it's not always so easy to hear. And sometimes, if we're honest, we shut ourselves down to the voice and the promptings of the Holy Spirit, to what it is that he's putting his finger on because we don't want to deal with it. And the problem is that when we do that, it becomes much harder for us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in every other area of our lives because we shut his voice out. One of the keys to us growing as people of faith who pray in faith is to learn to listen to the promptings of the Spirit 
and then just to be obedient. And we will only grow in our ability to hear what the Spirit is saying to the same extent that we're willing to act when he is speaking. As the Spirit prompts us, it stirs faith in us that is designed to lead to action. And we see this with Jesus. He says that he can only do what he sees the Father doing. So he spends time with God in prayer. He he carves out time where he can hear from God and he can receive from God and where God's able to direct him and to prompt him and to stir faith in him. And then he goes out and he does what it is that the Father has for him to do. Now, being people of faith means not just doing our own thing and praying with great belief and confidence that what we want is going to happen. Because that's not true faith. And that's what leads to frustration and confusion because we think we're praying in faith because we've got this level of belief, but nothing's happening. True faith is in God. True faith is from God. And so it flows from us spending time with God. And it leads us to obedience to God. And so faith rises up as we spend time with God and we say, show me, show me how you're at work. Show me what you are wanting me to do. And give me the gift of faith to be obedient. You know, we, we see this in the way that the great heroes of faith are talked about in, in Hebrews 11. In verse 8, it says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Abraham didn't know where God was leading him, but when God spoke, he obeyed. Because faith leads to obedient action. And it might be that, that what the Holy Spirit prompts you, when the Holy Spirit prompts you to do something or to pray for someone or to start a conversation, you don't know where God is, is heading with it. You don't know how it's going to turn out. And you might be worried that you're going to end up looking a little bit weird. You might be battling against doubt and fear. But I want to encourage you to be obedient because Jesus says that when we have true faith that is in God, that is from God, even if it's only this tiny speck as a mustard seed, that if we're willing to act on it, and to be obedient, and to pray what it is that he's calling us to pray for, or to start a conversation that he's calling us to start, or to give out that prophetic word that he's given, that he will move in powerful ways. And we will see the power of God released into people's lives and situations. True faith is less about how you feel, and more about the steps of obedience that you're willing to take. Now, as as we look to be people of of faith in in this season that seems so full of fear and uncertainty, I want to encourage you to prioritize time with Jesus. There's a reason he's called us to grow in prayer this year. Because he knows we need to be spending time with him. 
to fix your eyes on Jesus. To take time to read his word and to know what it is that he's wanting to say to you. To spend time in prayer in his presence. So that you know what it is that he's wanting you to do. And as you focus yourself on who God is and spend time with him, true faith will rise up in you. Because true faith is in God who you're spending time with and it's from God who you're spending time with. No, God wants to bring God wants you to bring to him in those times when you spend with him all of your fears, all of your doubts, all of your worries, all of your questions. And it's as you look to him, as you bring them to him, it's like this great exchange takes place. And he takes your fear and in its place he gives you peace. And he takes your questions and in their place he gives you hope. Because you see you are with God and you see that he's on the throne. You see how much he loves you and that he is for you and that he is with you. That he is not surprised by what it is that's going on. And that he has everything we need in this time. But you know, God has more for you than just that you would personally know peace in the midst of a storm. I mean, that's amazing, and that's great, and and I pray that every single one of you would know peace in the midst of this storm, but he has more for you than that. Let's not settle there. Because as that faith rises up in you, he wants to lead you into obedient action. It's not just that you would feel peace, and you would feel safe, and you would feel secure. It's so that you can do something from that place of feeling peace and safety and security. That you would be a shining light for him. That as he prompts you, you would share words of hope to people who are in fear. That as he prompts you, you would be willing to stop someone and say, let's pray together because I believe God wants to work in your life. That as he prompts you, you would be willing to to share a word of knowledge. So that we would step out in faith. We would pray in faith. In obedience to the promptings of God. And that from that place of true faith. We would see the power of God released. Into people's lives and situations in an amazing way. And so I'm going to ask Liam to come up. And and I want to just create a space for us to come to Jesus. Because none of this can I do on my own. None of this can you do yourselves. So we we just want to make a space for us to come to Jesus. For us to fix our eyes on him. For us to fix our eyes on him. And and just uh, try and uh, allow him to help us to shift our focus as we bring to him our faith. As we bring to him the the faith we might feel we have, the faith we might feel we don't. As we bring to him our fear. As we bring to him our questions. As we bring to him the the attitude that we're struggling with. As we bring to him wherever we're at and whatever it is that we, we are experiencing. 
that we would bring it to him and we would fix our eyes on him. And we would say, Jesus, in the midst of it all, I'm choosing to put my faith in you and in you alone. As I bring all of this and I hand it over to you, would you take it and replace it with true faith? That I would know your peace. That I would know that I'm safe in your hands. That I would know that you're on the throne, that there's nothing to fear. That I would know that there is hope and that there are good times ahead. And that you would also speak to me and prompt me as to how it is I can be a shining light for you. As to what it is that you have for me to do that I would be a person of hope and a person of faith. So just as these guys pray, as these guys play, I'm going to pray. And I want to encourage you, if, if you feel God prompting you, if you say, Lord, I want you to help me to be a person of faith, a person who prays in faith, a person who responds in faith in this season, I want to just encourage you to come to the front. And I've asked a few guys just to be ready to pray with you so if you guys could come forwards too and just be ready. And we just want to create space for Jesus because we need him. It's all about him. He's the one who initiates the faith and he's the one who who leads us forwards. Jesus, we want to thank you. We want to thank you that you are on the throne. We want to thank you that you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We want to thank you that you have all authority over coronavirus, over every situation, over every disease, over every sickness, over everything that we face. We want to thank you, Lord, that we can come to you today. And Lord, we want to say, Lord, we're sorry where we've allowed fear to come in. We're sorry where we've allowed our attention to get dragged off course. We're, we're sorry where we've, we've been dismissive and, and kind of just an uncaring and unloving in our response because of that. We're sorry, God, for, for where we've, our confidence has been misplaced and we've put confidence in ourselves or we've put confidence in systems or formulas. And Lord, we come to you and we look to you that you would come and you would move by your spirit to give us true faith today. Faith that would bring peace in the storm. Faith that would give us confidence and hope in you. A faith that would lead us to action, that we would see your power released, that we would be shining lights for you. And that we would see many people come to know you as you're at work during this season. Just if you feel prompted, just come to the front. We're just going to create some space. It's just your way of taking that step of faith of saying, I want to put that prompting. You're stirring inside of me to say, I need this into action. And so I'm going to the front in response to this to say, Jesus, I'm here. I'm ready to receive. Come and meet me.